Great job, man. That was really good. I mean, the past couple of weeks has just been really great. I mean, Lindsay, it always is great. I mean, if you did communion three weeks ago, and you're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you didn't say I did a great job. Like, I'm just telling you, like, in my memory right now. Um, it, it was great. Um, you know, in, in, in a community, one of the things that, the, that, that hopefully you hear over and over and over again is, man, um, we want to spend our life learning about the entirety of the Bible. Um, not just one book, not just one verse, not just one little section, um, but when you read the entirety of something, it's just like a movie. It's just like an epic story, right? Is is if you just took a little snippet of Lord of the Rings or a little snippet of Star Wars or a little snippet of something like that, it just doesn't do justice for the entirety of it. Whatever you love, whatever your thing is, little snippets don't do justice for it, right? I mean, it just doesn't. And getting the whole feel for it. One of the things that's amazing, really, from the beginning to the end, when God talks about building community is he talks about being a blessing, that your community should be a blessing to the world, um, but also um, everyone should be a blessing to one another. Like, that's the way you're created, is to be a blessing to the community. And I was thinking as Hayes was talking, I thought, you know, we are, our community is blessed because of Hayes, that he came here, and he was a young college student when he came here, but isn't it neat to kind of see year to year uh, just Hayes mature? And I'm, I'm picking him out, but we could say this about everyone, right? It's just that idea of, man, we're a better community because Hayes is with us. And that's how it's supposed to be. I hope you think, you think that way too. I hope you, you're thinking that because it's too easy to go, man, I don't know, uh, you know, old Brent, man, and, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, think of, think of whatever Brent's issue is. But the truth is, is, is uh, that's, one of the, that's one of the really important things in a community and, and appreciating that. And I hope you did. I, I know what you shared, Hayes, was really, really great. But also just personally, I think it's just really cool to have watched you grow up over the years and see you mature and all that kind of stuff. It's just really neat. Um, so we're going to talk uh, in a second here. I think my, my uh, PowerPoint will be coming up here pretty soon. They're giving me the thumbs up that it's on the way. Um, so, again, we've been talking about community. We've been talking about disciple-making, two things that can be fairly overwhelming. Uh, they just can be, you know. I mean, um, and one of the things that's very easy to do, I think, is that it's very, really easy to just kind of get into um, to the mentality that just keep pushing through. Like, if you're not a disciple-maker, like, start being a disciple-maker. All right? If you're not really that good with community, start being good with community. And we can read the Bible and we can look through all these things and hopefully even be convinced that, oh, man, there are some things I need to change. Okay? Um, but then there's kind of the messy world. Um, and, and one of the things I was thinking of, and this is just a lot of this is coming just from a personal place for me, but also I think as a community for us to be really able to kind of dig in is how do we um, build a disciple-making community in an anxious world? And, and, and if you want to, like, even, um, like, add on, I didn't want to make the title super long, but depression and anxiety are two sides of the same coin. So you could even add on to that. How, how do you build a disciple-making community in an anxious and depressed world? All right? How is the gospel, and, and why I'm sharing that is, is I am somebody that struggles with depression. All right? I've struggled with depression since 2009. Um, I've... Thank God. I am so thankful uh, for science and medication and all that kind of stuff. And I do take antidepressant medication. And unfortunately, I think for a lot of years, the church even viewed that as almost like a faithless thing. 
And, uh, and man, I'm thankful that we have moved on from that, okay? And why this is even um, personal with me is I'm seeing like the, you know, before, like I would say when I was growing up in like the 80s and 90s, you know, depression was really like what you got when you got older, all right? Except the trend seems to be happening younger and younger and younger and younger. And so it's that idea of how do we communicate, and not just communicate the gospel, but how do we build a community in a world of depression and anxiety, all right? How, how do we do that, okay? And, and the truth of the matter is the world has no clue, none whatsoever, okay? They have no, if, if a worldly solution is what you're looking for, you will live your life sorely disappointed, all right? But how do we communicate it? And, and for me, it's one of those things where how do you help people communicate the gospel in a state of depression or a state of anxiety, because I can't tell you the number of times when I've been like, this isn't good news at all. Like, it's painful right now. Like, all of my thoughts are negative right now. I can't find anything good. Like, you could have given me something really great, and I'd find something wrong with it. All right? And that's happening more and more and more in our world. And what I always share with people is, is um, the one thing we shouldn't ever do okay, as disciples, is try to convince people, if you just follow Jesus, you'll never be depressed. Jesus doesn't even say that. If you just follow, if you're anxious, if you'll just follow Jesus, you won't be anxious anymore. Oh boy, let me tell you, that's not what the gospel is telling us, all right? There, there are competing voices in the world. There's the world, there's the depression voice, there's the anxious voice, there's all kinds of voices that are trying to tell you something that you think are absolutely true. And what Jesus is saying is, regardless of what's going on in your head, my gospel's better. Right? It's not a silver bullet. I'm not going to just, like, but it's better. There's hope. It, it, that's what you see throughout the Bible. It's going, you know what? On my worst day, I think the greatest gift that I had, and there, there were a number of them, was this Bible right here of going in and going, wow, you want to know what? This is what's true. Because everything in my head is telling me what's not true, okay? And I'm believing it, right? But if we aren't like, and, and understand what I'm saying, okay? Hopefully your thing isn't, okay, I'm going to be the perfect, I'm, I'm going to be perfect at communicating the gospel to an anxious world, okay? Again, just relax a little bit, okay? <laughs> Here's what I'm saying is, let's follow Jesus and learn from him in order to connect with an anxious world, and a depressed world, and, and learn from what he teaches us, okay? And, and not, like I said, I mean, there's all kinds of worldly stuff out there. But man, this is really important because we could do all the Bible studies in the world. We could, we could do all the hospitality in the world. But if this isn't kind of like on our radar to realize, and not just on our radar of a 40-year-old or a 30-year-old, but a 20-year-old or a teenager, right? Is how do we connect in this way, okay? And, and connecting in a way that isn't uh, it, it isn't the idea of let me eradicate this from your life, but rather let me show you God's way. Okay. And I want to just, we, we've used this scripture right here in Matthew 28. This is what traditionally is called the great commission. This, this is what Jesus came to his people and said, I'm sending y'all out to do this. Okay. Um, tr you know, in, in many experiences, <laughs> this is anxiety producing or, or depressing, <laughs> Or, I can't do this. I'm not saved. Oh, my goodness, I haven't done this. And, and it's amazing because, as I've shared before, is the context of Matthew 28 is Jesus sharing this with an anxious and possibly 
kind of group that had just gone through a trauma of their best friend being tortured and killed, okay? And it's that idea of, his, was Jesus that bad a teacher? Was he that bad? Did he just not have a clue on how to deal with people? You know, and he's like, yeah, I know y'all might be anxious. You might be a little sad. You might be, you might be really feeling it right now. Let me compound that for you. Does that sound like Jesus? <laughs> Does that sound like him in any way? But a lot of times we read into things, all right? But we're looking at this going, wow, man. He does say, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he sends them out. And the question that we've got to ask is, if Jesus wasn't just like, just clueless, could he have meant this in a way that was life-giving rather than anxiety-producing? Could he have meant it in a way that this is, this is the extent of good news, not a depressing thing? Could it be that? Did Jesus ever interact with anybody that struggled? Was his world anxious and depressed? For sure. For sure. Here's why. The world naturally produces anxiety and depression. All right? That's the fruit of our world. That's what I'm saying is, is, is oftentimes we talk about if you're going after the world, you'll never find it. There's a reason why. Because everyone knows. Atheists know. This world only produces chaos and anxiety and depression. And the way the world thinks is not about reconciliation. And it's not about loving one another. It's about serving yourself. And then you talk to folks who deal with depression and anxiety, and they say the worst thing we can do is be about ourselves when we're struggling with anxiety and depression. Is to get into our world and all of this kind of stuff. And so it's that idea of like, well, let's, let's dig in here because following Jesus should be something for us, because if it's not good news for us in our, in, in our life, it can't be good news for someone else. It just can't be, right? Did Jesus ever, you know, it's interesting. I, I, th- this, was, this stuck with me a little bit. Anxiety is emotional pain. It constricts and limits life. At the center of its painfulness is uncertainty. We can either put our finger on what's disturbing us, nor pick out a clear-cut villain who is threatening us. It's just kind of this nebulous thing. It's the same with depression. You know, oftentimes people think, well, depression is just being sad. It's not being sad, right? It's just this idea of, man, I don't know. What the heck? I mean, I'm thinking all this stuff, and I don't know. I'm not up. I'm not down. I'm just like, whatever. I don't care. Like, I got nothing, all right? But it's this idea. It's so interesting because this is the antithesis of who Jesus is. This is the opposite, right? Something that constricts and limit, limits life. And you all know what? You probably, if you don't yourself, you probably do have a friend that probably struggles with this in some way, shape, or form. And maybe not a way that they need to go see counseling or any kind of medication or anything like that. But just in general, just like this low-level anxiety or this low-level depression. And we've got to realize, man, this is what limits life. All right? This is exactly what Satan wants. Is let me get a bunch of people trying to follow Jesus who, who just, man, are just caught up in this worldly cycle that is going to limit their life. And then you know what they'll do? They'll be frustrated at Jesus, right? That's what's so important about us digging in and understanding the gospel. That's why it's so important. It's not like, Keith, are you saying I have to have my quiet time each day? You're not getting it if you think that. I'm going, no, no, man, I need to figure this out because the world's telling me everything differently. Okay, this changes how we interact with one another. Here's the thing about it, and again, you can even switch anxiety and depression, okay? But here's the thing about this, is you know what it does? Anxiety blinds us, and at the same time makes us feel as if we're the only one who sees clearly. 
at the exact same time. As I'm uncertain. I don't know. I'm totally, but I know better than everyone else who can be in my life. Okay? Isn't that crazy? If you were Satan, wouldn't you go, this is what I want people wrestling with. This contradiction right here, okay? It it makes us, we've got to find control. Okay? And at the same time, we want to give up control totally. All right? I want to completely control everything in my life. But when things are really hard, it's just tell me what I should do. Tell me what I should do to make God happy. You tell me. All right? And it's that paradox. And you're looking at that, and the goal of putting this up here isn't to fix anything. It's the idea of if we're not aware of the thought patterns that Satan will use, that the world's producing. It's not even like little red, the red devil Satan coming around. It's just this is how the world works. It's let me make you think you're seeing it the clearest, and let me make you insecure about that at the same time. Let me make you get control and lose control at the same time. Isn't that horrifying? If you've lived it, it is. This is agonizing. We go back and forth from thoughtless obedience, okay, I'll just do it because you say, to mindless outbursts. I hate that you tell me to do things just because uh, for no reason. All right? It's this back and forth. It's, It's this idea of depression, anxiety. It's just the... The world, the way Satan has worked through time has created this, this ridiculous net of just helplessness. It disguises itself as clarity and conviction. It's like, no, I know I, know I am right above all else. And I don't like when people come and tell me I'm not because I'm positive I am. Listen, Abby could tell you the number of times I've said that in my, when I was really depressed. I'm like, no. And oftentimes our impulse overwhelms our intention. This is where you can have the best intentions in the world and impulse overrides that. Okay, that's the frustrating part. I didn't mean that. Have you ever said that before? But I didn't mean that. Right, because this is what anxiety and depression and anything going on in our head is telling us. No, lash out. Don't, don't like just chill out, okay? Because it's the part of our brain that's just animalistic. Instead of the part of our brain going, hold on a minute, let me just chill for a second, okay? And then self-preservation trumps self-awareness. It, it's, it's less about realizing, like, where am I coming from? Where am I, where am I right now? What's going on inside of me to regulate that? It's more about, dude, I'm protecting myself, and I'm, protect- I'm going to come after you like a mama bear, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And we've all been there. Here's the thing about this is there isn't a soul in here that doesn't know what I'm talking about. And that doesn't mean you have to go and get diagnosed with something. This isn't a medical diagnosis. Don't leave here and go, man, my preacher diagnosed me today. I don't have the authority to diagnose you, okay? I don't know. But I'm just saying is, is, is it, can, it, it can be a diagnosable problem, but here's the truth of the matter is I don't believe there's a person in the entire world that doesn't know about this, that hadn't experienced this. Why? Because in the world, this is what's supposed to be produced. This is what's supposed to be the outcome. This is the outcome of competitiveness and comparativeness, and this is the outcome of jealousy and gossip, and this is the outcome of all this stuff. All right, so we shouldn't be surprised that all of us could go, yeah, man. And so it's not just enough to just go and, hey, let me give you a couple scriptures and then you should be better. All right, but it's the idea of, man, how do we communicate the gospel? You know, it's interesting. And here's the, might be the worst part. Anxiety and depression kills imagination. You think, what does that have to do with a healthy community? Listen, um, everyone is built differently. 
the minute you lose imagination, you are stifled in being who you are to this community. You are stifled. All right? Because here's the thing about it. Is we say this all the time. Is, is there one exact way to do a quiet time? Is there one exact way to pray? Is there one exact way to have a group of three time? Is there one exact way? But here's the truth of the matter is, is, is oftentimes, depending on how you're built, there's like this imaginative process of going, you know, it could be this way. Hey, sometimes I get bored with this and I, wow, wouldn't it be great if I just went and went on a prayer walk today? Wouldn't it be great? Oh, I'm just going to write down my prayers today. And wouldn't it be great if I just drew a picture about my prayers today? People do it, right? But it's that idea of, of what, what anxiety and depression says is, is it kills imagination. And then you're like, well, that, that doesn't even matter because if I'm not doing it the way Jacob does it, then, then uh, I guess it's not a real quiet time because your imagination has been killed. Okay? And so it's this idea. We just have to be aware, okay? This isn't, again, diagnostic. But then going, man, Jesus, what were you thinking, man? Again, what were you thinking? Wanting to build community in a world where its natural production is anxiety and depression and fear? That doesn't build community. But again, what, what is more stunning to a world that suffers from this than a community that comes together and says, man, we can talk about this. We can walk with each other through this. And that, you want to know what? Being a disciple isn't a magic bullet. It's not a pill. It's not something that just gets everything and makes life better. And we're just singing around going, singing kumbaya when things are rough. It's the idea of going, man, things can get rough. My hope is in Jesus. Things can get as rough as they can be. That doesn't make life easy. You want to know what? Is it, here's the sad part is, is you might have had a hard day today, and you want to know what? Tomorrow might be even harder. But that doesn't make the God. That's the point of saturating ourselves in the gospel to where this is good news. But Keith, isn't it a bad day? It is a bad day. But I can go to the Bible and look for truth and go, man, you don't know what? Let me put one foot in front of the other. I remember those times. And I remember going back into those times where you're just like, oh, everything in me wants to just indulge in this. And Jesus just has this better way. It's, it's, it's amazing here. In uh, Matthew 9, verse 36, um, Jesus ran into this often. This isn't, this isn't an our generation thing. I, I think it's strange that more and more people are suffering from this, but this is a world thing. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. It, man, if that guy was among your community, you'd be happy all the time. You'd be like, oh, you having a bad day? No problem, dude. I got, a, you know, I got this thing on my finger I need to get taken off. It'd be great if Jesus was here and just go, ah, oh, get rid of that and fix this and heal that and give you some great. Could you imagine Jesus preaching and teaching? Oh, my goodness. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. Uh, when he saw the crowds, okay, there were crowds of people that were coming to hear Jesus. When he saw them, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They had reaped the production of the world, okay? Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And this very verse right here has just reading it incited anxiety in some of you guys. <laughs> All right, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's great. Healed, taught, preached, crowds, compassion, blah 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 blah. Uh, oh, there's not enough workers, man. There's not enough workers. Come on, people, start working. 
Will you start working, please? You know, and all of a sudden we're like, ah, we don't even realize. Like, oh my goodness, man. Like, let's, let's, Jesus saw the crowd. Again, Jesus saw they were harassed and helpless. And here's his thought process. Just think if this sounds right. Man, that's a harassed and helpless group. Man, they're messed up. They're struggling. They are so insecure and they are so upset. You know what I'm going to do? Mess with them. I'm going to say something to them that's going to make it worse. Could you imagine Jesus being there? Hey, apostles, come here. I want to talk to you guys, okay? Can y'all keep a secret? Watch me mess with this crowd. <laughs> this is going to be awesome, you know? But we, sometimes we put that on Jesus. We're like, really? Oh, they're harassed and helpless, but let me say something that's going to make it worse. All right? Let me say something that's going to make it worse. But here's the funny thing about this is here's what Jesus doesn't do. And quite honestly, it upsets me a little bit about Jesus. And I'm not even joking. I am not joking one single bit. Okay. Is, and, and, and again, you may have a different experience than me. I'm just telling you in my darkest times of depression. Okay. All I want is for everyone to tell me what I'm doing is right and agreeing and just let me go off into my own world and just and and just be just leave me be. That's what I want more than anything. It's interesting. Jesus didn't do that. It, it's interesting because he saw this crowd. It wasn't like he was going, "Hey, I'm going to teach today and I'm going to proclaim the good news today. I'm going to do that for a number of weeks." And I'm like, "Wow, these people are harassed and helpless." Well, I didn't realize that all my teaching. You know, he's going, "No, no." He saw that that was the crowd harassed and helpless, and he taught. And he proclaimed the good news. But here's the cool thing. This is awesome about Jesus. And sometimes we forget this is he saw the crowds. Okay. That's if we can't communicate that to people, man, just don't just leave it. Don't even not, don't leave here now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just leave the gospel be. Okay. Because here's the truth is this is some of the best news. Is because in an anxious world, in a depressed world, in a world that is insecure and uncertain and all that kind of stuff, there's nothing better than to know that Jesus sees me. That you're harassed and helpless, he sees me. If we can't communicate that to people, then there's really not any good news. The good news can't be like, you know what the good news is? He can forgive you of your sin so you can start working for him. That doesn't sound like that good of news, you know. He's going to wash you your sins, so you'll just get to work now. I'm like, hold up a minute, man. Here's the thing about this is, is there's something. You mean the Savior, the Lord, the Creator. You, you mean, you mean the, the, the guy who moved mountains, split rivers, and seas, and all that kind of stuff. You mean he sees me? Like he sees me, even in not just the good, but the harassed, the helpless, all that kind of stuff. Boy, that is really, really good news. But the interesting thing is, is he says, here's the thing is, is he was teaching them. He, he was teaching them and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. There, there were these instances where he felt like, listen, we've got to sit. If Jesus knew, I've got to sit down and teach you about who God is and who I am and what it means to follow God. That's the whole story. That's why you can't separate discipleship from from being a Christian. Because from page one, God is teaching us not just to be saved from something, but how to follow him, how to find this good news to be a message to the world, right? And so it's this idea of he was like, man, you know what? I don't necessarily, when I'm in a bad place in my head, I don't like being somebody teaching me. 
I don't like it at all. I don't, I don't think about that. I don't think about those things. But, but here's the thing is, is how often, if us, we as disciples, okay, how often do we just sit down with people and say, let's study our Bibles together? Like, I understand, it's not, how can Keith, your preacher, teach you the Word of God? Or how can Juliana teach you the Word? No, no, it's the idea of, hey, let's open up the Bible and be teachable from it. That if, here's the deal is, I don't know if, that, if we can even make disciples if we're not doing that consistently. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, can we get some time and just do this? And just study the Bible and see the Word of God. How many times do you open your Bible and you go, I don't need to be teachable now? Man, I hope never. I hope there's never a time. You may, you may know more Bible, but I'm telling you, you read a verse for the thousandth time, I still need to be taught by that verse. Like, I, I have, there's not a single thing in here where I'm like, dude, I have reached Jesus' status. Like, I do it exactly like he does right there, okay? Um, so, the, this is kind of, you're going, well, how did he deal with the world and their anxiety and depression and harassed and helpless and all that kind of stuff? He did this. Here's the interesting thing in Matthew 11, as, as he tells, he says, come, come to me, everyone who's weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a good thing. Everyone loves that verse. Everybody's like, oh, man, this verse speaks to me. Of course it does, because the world doesn't give us rest. It just doesn't, okay? Everyone gets this verse. It's not a miracle. You know, man, this one really speaks to me. It's supposed to speak to you, okay? And come to me, all of you. But here's what he says. Come to me, all of you, and I'm going to give you a 60-minute spa day because that'll fix it. Come to me, all of you, and just vent everything on me. Come to me, all of you, and just, you know, take whatever I have. Like, I'm a peddler with all of these good things. And you just come and take it and go on your way. Come to me. He said, no, no, no. He says, take my yoke upon you. Okay, listen, I don't know what you think. The yoke ain't light. It's not like light what it says here. It's light compared to the world's yoke. But if you're thinking like this yoke, okay, it's just like this. Oh, it's, it's like the, uh, like you're not even going to know it's there. No, you'll know it's there, okay? It's like sometimes we think, oh, Jesus is going to get rid of me and not make me weary, burden, and give me rest. But I don't want to put on something else. Or, or uh, yeah, I want to take something off, but, but I forget that Jesus' yoke would weigh anything. He's like, no, 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 I mean, compared to the world, it's way light. Co- compared to the world, it's, it is. It's light, okay? But not non-existent. Not like a hover. It's not like hovering on your shoulders. It's like, no, it's a yoke, right? It's going to keep you in line, all right? Take it on me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. That's a statement the world can never make. There ain't no way. And and what does the world say? The world says, listen, work your keister off to get rich. Do everything you can to get all the money you can. Because I am gentle and humble in heart. The world will never say that. The world will never say, hey, you're weary and burdened. Come on, get rich. Like, we, we get fooled into that, right? Get rich quick. Do some, cut a corner. 
like get it done, like, can, like, like just do, take the easy way out. That's what the world is saying. It's like, listen, I know you're weary. This is exactly what the world is telling everybody. I know you're weary and you want rest and you want someone to give you rest. 30 minutes of Netflix. Seven hours of sleep. A pay raise is going to give you rest. Getting rid of your credit card debt is going to give you rest. Being powerful in the company you work at is going to give you Having authority is going to give you rest. And you want to know what? You ask anyone with power, authority, money, none of them are relaxed. None of them are weary. Not a single one. And, and you want to know what? The worst thing is when disciples go, but I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different in my job. I'm going to be different. I'm going to go after it. And, I, and then we go, dude, you know what the problem is with discipleship? It's too heavy, man. It is too heavy if you're putting it on the yoke. You, you want to keep riding with the world's yoke. You're like, I want to keep the, I want the power and the authority and the money and all of the fame and, and notoriety. I want all that stuff. And I want the yoke of Christianity on me because I want to not go to hell. And you know what? For some of us here, you're going, life is just too busy. I don't have time for that discipleship stuff. I don't have time to study my Bible every day. I don't have time for all that. Listen, Keith, I got time for the world stuff. Because that's going to fulfill me in the future. But I don't have time for this yoke. And he's like, you got to take that yoke off, man, if you're tired. All right? So, some of us have been doing this thing. It's, a, it's called go ruck. It's rucking. It's, it's hiking with a heavy backpack, okay? Listen, I'm going to tell you, that gets tiring when you start walking up hills with that thing. Listen, if somebody were like, Keith, you could do this, just take that backpack off. Can I tell you, when I take the backpack off, I feel like you, Usain Bolt. That's how I feel. I'm like, watch me run, man. I am so fast with that weight off. I know some of y'all are thinking he can't run that fast. Believe me, I can run that fast. Okay. I take that weight off. All right. And it is totally different. But here's the thing is there is no proclaiming good news to the world. If you're going to keep that heavy old backpack on and try to put the yoke of discipleship on and convince people this is good news. No, it's good news. I'm just told, I can't live my life. I'm totally stressed out. I have no time. But if you get up every morning at 2.30 and you do a one-hour quiet time, you'll be happy. <laughs> That's what we do instead of going, hold on a minute. This yoke has got to go. But, but hold on. Man. My boss is not going to promote me if I don't work another hour and a half. Don't get promoted. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. He, he can't give you rest. Don't get promoted. Oh, man, I can't. Keith, you don't understand. I work 70 hours a week. Then get a job at McDonald's. For real, why not? People live working at McDonald's, working just shift work. Go do that. Why not? Because the job we're working in is what's going to fulfill us. Like we would, some of us would never consider not doing what we've been trained to do because we've got, what a waste. No, no, no. The waste would be trying to fulfill yourself in the worldly way. That's the way. The waste is getting to the end of your life and going, it didn't work. That, that's the waste. Good job, though, man. I think that. I mean, I, there was a whole lot of money put into my sports medicine degree. A whole lot of money, okay? And here's the deal. At the end of my life, I could have worked for NFL teams, major league baseball teams, college programs, all that kind of stuff. That wasn't going to fulfill my life. I've shared that with you guys before. I mean, when I worked at Florida State University, we were literally the team of the decade. Not just three or four or five years. We were the team of the decade. Unfulfilled. Completely unfulfilled. And that was the pinnacle for me. 
completely unfulfilled. And I literally, when I, when I became a disciple, I said to the guy that was sharing the gospel with me and studying the Bible, I said, listen, here's the deal. I will quit my job and literally work at McDonald's if it means putting me in a healthy spiritual place. I have no problem doing that because I am totally unfulfilled. But Keith, you get all this Nike gear. Wouldn't you love that? Don't you see that on campus? Everyone's got this sweet Nike gear. You're like, oh, if I had that. I had an apartment full of Nike gear. Half of my apartment was unused Nike gear. See what I'm talking about? Works for, Yariel's saying that, but she's for real, though, for real. Because the truth is, is if you're walking on campus, you're going, that gear is tight. <laughs> Dude, look at that jacket. And then you go and you want to buy it. And you're like, what do you mean that sweatsuit costs $300? <laughs> what do you mean, man? But that dude, I want that. And you think, man, what if you went to work tomorrow and you had enough of that gear that you couldn't wear it all in two years? That half of your apartment had to be full of it that you never touched? Okay? Yeah. I remember going in, there was this huge, at my locker, this huge bag just full of Nike gear. And I was like, oh, oh, I've reached it. I've reached the pinnacle. This is awesome. And then like a week later, same bag. And I'm like, uh, like I'm stealing something, right? <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'm like waiting for everybody to leave. <laughs> Take it. They're like, no, Keith, you get to keep that. All right? But, but here's the deal is how fooled I was. How fooled I was. And it took two years for me to go, this is totally unfulfilling to me. Yeah. National championship games, rings, clothes, you knew famous people. That was, it was totally unfulfilling to the point where I was like, I, that guy working at McDonald's, I'd rather do that if I could follow Jesus. Like as I was studying the Bible, I was like, this is what's really fulfilling right? This is really what it is. And so that's, here's the deal is if you haven't taken the yoke of the world off, and I'm not saying don't try in school, but I mean, let, let's be real here, okay? It's the idea of if it's like, no, Keith, I got 25 hours of work to do every single, I would say change your major. Uh, I'm not kidding you. You're like, no, but Keith, you don't understand. My parents would be so angry. Listen, your parents would be angrier if you don't follow Jesus, and they might even know that now, but at some point they would. They go, if I had a choice between my kid being the best engineer in the world or going to heaven and helping people do that, dude, that's what I want. Okay? And so here's the thing is, if you've got to shed the yoke, shed the yoke, man. You know, if you're looking at your life and going, I, just, I can't do this and faithfully follow Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you're just like looking for the easy way out. You're like, oh, let me go find something where I can work two hours a day. And uh, then I can follow Jesus. No, no, no. That's not the point, right? But, but the point is, and I don't even know. You've got to know you. You've got to know you. If you're getting so wound up that it just angers you when people even talk about opening your Bible on a consistent basis, then I would say the yoke of the world is still on you. Okay? It just is. You've got to take something off. It can't just continue this way. It might even be take less classes. Tell your boss you've got to take some time off. Don't, don't, maybe, maybe you're working extra. You don't even need to work extra. I don't know. He just says, take my yoke. He's gentle. He's humble in heart. He says, um, that, anyway, that, just, that is powerful right there. He, here's the thing about it, though, is, is it just requires every one of us to be teachable. Um, 
This is an unenforceable, right? This is one of those unenforceables. Right? I can't go to Riley and go, Riley, you better be teachable. I'm keeping my eye on you, you unteachable little wretch. I know when you're unteachable, like right now. <laughs> right? It's unenforceable. I don't know. We don't know. Okay? But this requires so much because when Jesus is saying, hey, here's the thing. I'm going to give you rest. Come to me, all of you. Learn from me. Okay, you can't learn if you're unteachable. You've got the best teacher in the world. You can sit at the feet of the greatest teacher in the world and go, I ain't listening to this guy. Nothing's going to change. Part of this is so difficult. And, and if it's not for us, again, I'm just sharing from my own life. I, I needed and need people in my life to continue to remind me that, dude, Keith, when you're in a place of anxiety, and not even huge, but just low level, depression or anxiety or something like that, dude, you've got to go be teachable to Jesus. You've got to do it. Like, I have to hear that from people. Like, like, dude, if you're not going first and foremost to be taught by Jesus, no one can help you. But having a teachable, ta- a teachable heart, right? It's this idea of kind of the difference between a sponge and a stone. It, w- what would describe my heart more when it comes to being teachable through the word of God? Is this this sponge? And some of you are going, well, you know, Keith, stones do absorb things. <laughs> okay, here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to go pour a, five gallons of orange juice on your kitchen and try to sop it up with a stone, okay? You can make the, I know that happens. You're like, well, Keith, but the stone is, come on, man. <laughs> you know, Bounty ain't selling stones to mop things up, okay? For a reason, because sponges are better. It, would you, if Jesus would come down and say, listen, man, you know what? Your heart needs to be like a sponge when it comes to Jesus. That means like in every instance, I'm learning. I'm observing. You know, this idea of Jesus just going into a synagogue and walking out, he was in the community. And how much you could learn just by being with him and seeing how he interacts with people. Are you learning from your brothers and sisters? Or it's like, well, you know, if I, if I admitted that I had to learn from Riley, you know, Riley's younger than me. If I had to learn that I have to learn anything from Riley, that's going to make me look bad. Oh, no. <laughs> you know. Or vice versa, if you're like, man, I, 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 I just appear. You can't nothing to teach me. I mean, I'm trying to be better than you. Oh, no. That's not a healthy community. It's a teachable heart. doesn't do acts of teachability. They're just teachable. They learn from everything. The teachable person walks out of a movie and is like, did you get that principle? That's just like what Jesus said. You read a book, it's not even about Jesus, and you're going, oh, man, you know what? That's exactly what Jesus taught. That's exactly, because your, sp- your heart is just a sponge. You see it in everything. That's a teachable person, right? That's a teachable person. Teachable acts are just the idea of, okay, now I'll be teachable for 20 minutes. I'll be humble now, right? Ben, I'll be humble now. Please teach me for 20 minutes. Oh, time's up. <laughs> That wasn't that good anyway. <laughs> you know, a teachable person is like, man, I'm learning from watching a person prepare my food in the back. Like when we go have breakfast at Hardee's, I'm looking, you do it excellently. I'm like, how did that guy do that? A teachable person is absorbing and learning and putting it towards the ministry of Jesus in everything. Okay, sometimes, man, we're just like stone hearted. You know, it's just like, it's just not, I'm not, teach me, teach me what? Don't you know how awesome I am? I was like, no, you're not. I know, okay? It's just an example. 
<laughs> but anyway, hopefully this makes sense to you. For me, I'm just saying, for me, when it comes to reaching out to a depressed and anxious world and living this in my own life, okay, I'm just saying, man, I got to have people going, Keith, listen, you don't want to hear this, but your heart's more like a rock than a sponge when it comes to being taught and learning from Jesus, right? He says, man, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, right? Okay. This is where every preacher turns the corner. <laughs> now get to work. <laughs> Enough of this, Tom. Enough of this. No. Here's the thing about this. Jesus' point wasn't like, okay, enough of this mumbo jumbo. <laughs> Y'all harassed and helpless, repent. He's like, no, man. Here's, a deal. Here's what helps me, okay, is this, is to allow myself to be overwhelmed with the right things. When he says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, that says more about God than it does about me. <laughs> He's going, look around at what God is doing. You know what? In an anxious world, in a depressed world, in an insecure world, you want to know what? We don't see anything good around us. You don't see it. And he's like, no, 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 open your eyes. If you think I'm not working, open your eyes. Like, be overwhelmed with what I'm doing. Be overwhelmed. Have, it, have days where at the end of the day you're going, man, there were, just too many, there were just too many stories of faith today. God is doing too much. I don't know what to do. What do you do? He says, just when you get overwhelmed, ask him to send workers in. Like, God, I don't know. There's too much work to do. There's too much. You're working too, too many places in this world. You're working in too many places in my office. You're working in too many places in our city. Instead of going, oh, man, I'm going to hell if I don't meet every need. Oh, boy, I'm in trouble if I don't get out and start dragging other workers into it. It's like, no, here's the thing is, be overwhelmed when it comes to this. Be overwhelmed because he says, do this. Be overwhelmed and pray. Be overwhelmed with the right things. Be overwhelmed with how God is working powerfully. Be overwhelmed with how God is working in your brother's and sister's life. Be overwhelmed with stories of faith. Be overwhelmed with the little tiny conversation that you might have had with your coworker. Be overwhelmed with the working of God. And he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. Just talk to me, man. Ask me. It's amazing. There might not be a better section of Bible. So turn over to Psalm 61. This is where we're going. We're going to wrap it up right here, okay? In Psalm 61, um, Pray, and you go, but Keith, how do I pray? How do I pray perfectly? How do I pray so God's going to hear it? How do I pray where it's going to please him? How do I pray? Here's what I'm going to say. Talk to, talk to God. All right? You just start talking to him. But what if I say this in the selfish? And what if I say this? Well, then while you're talking to him, just walk it back. Oh, man, God, you know, I said that. That sounded selfish. Now help me in this one. That's what a conversation's about. Speak to me, God. What do you want me to hear? It's amazing. In, in, uh, in Psalm 61, uh, he, he says this, uh, which I'm not even in Psalm 61. I'm in a different one. Let me turn to Psalm 61. That'll be helpful. In Psalm 61, he says, uh, verse 1, God, hear my cry. Pay attention to my prayer. Listen, I'm going to tell you, there's lots of people in the world saying that prayer. Lots of people. People that don't want to go to church, people that don't want to be disciples. Man, I'm telling you, this is probably the great equalizer in our country is this idea of people just going, God, I just want to pray and have you hear me. Just please hear me. God, hear my cry. Pay attention to my prayer. I call to you from the ends of the earth when my heart is without strength. Okay, here's, let me, let me tell you the, 
worst thing I would do in my depression and anxiety. Stop crying out to God in my weakest hours. It's the worst thing. It's the worst thing. Is stop doing it. No, no, no. Prayer doesn't work. No, no, no. No, no, no. Hold on a minute. He said, when my heart is without strength. And again, what does this have to do? Well, this has to do with us because we've got to live this out. But I guarantee you this is not an a, a, a impertinent talk that we would have with our friends that would go, dang, I'm, yes, I get this right here, okay? But here's the coolest part. He goes on, he says, lead me to a rock that's high above me. There, there's a whole nother view. It's not let me stay here. It's not let me... Let, as much as I want to, as much as I know me and Abby have had a lot of talks and, and it's infuriating because you're saying, Keith, that's just not true. What you're thinking isn't true, which is not. You've got to go back to what's true, what's real in the word of God, what's absolutely true. And this guy, he's right and he says, just lead me to something higher than me. Lead me to that rock that's higher than I am because I'm, I'm low. I need to get up there. I need high. For you have been a refuge for me. See, that's, that's just speaking faithful truth. That's what, that, that is truth right there. there. There's no one that can say that. There isn't anybody that can say, you know what? God has never, ever once protected me, was a refuge for me. Just because you don't notice it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But they start speaking truth. God, here's what's true. You've been a refuge to me. And if I need to stop and think about all the ways you've been a refuge to me, I'm going to stop right here and think of all those ways. Because that's what's going to help me when I have no strength. For you've been a refuge, a strong tower in the face of my enemy. I will live in your tent forever and take refuge under the shelter of your wings. God, you have heard my vows. You have given a heritage to those who fear your name. Add days to the king's life. May his years span many generations. May he sit enthroned before God forever. Appoint faithful love and truth to guard him. Then I will continually sing of your name, fulfilling my vows day by day. What, what kind of prayer? Okay, here's, here's what's helpful for me. Is praying, talking to people, getting help to, to readjust how I'm seeing things, how I'm hearing things. That's exactly what the Psalms do in so many cases. You read Psalms and you're like, there's people who are just pouring their heart out and they're in pain and they're scared and all that kind of stuff. And they read it and always pay attention to the word but in a Psalm. That's the best word in any psalm because it can be like, it's hard. I don't get it. This is so sad. But you are this. That that might be the most important thing. And not just because the sentence is important, because that's what's true. That's what's true. It's going, okay, that, that is what's true. I have a friend that gave me this a little, little, uh, little saying here. Some of you may have, have, uh, have seen it before. It's, it's the idea of what we think is real is what we see and what we hear. And we think that there's even an ounce of like, truth in our world. Right? But it's the idea of what's true is God. God is the definition of truth. What's real is God and what he says. That, that's the point. If you don't believe that, the point of faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. Why? Because what you see isn't real. Don't let it be that way. What's real is the word of God. What's real is what it's calling me to do. Whether it's living joyfully, proclaiming the gospel, repenting, 
reconciliation, whatever it is, that is what's real. Okay? But I would just kind of say again as we close up here, um, one of the greatest hurdles might be um, just that idea of, but the yoke of discipleship is too heavy. Okay? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Um, there, there, are, there are three things that I have got to do. Um, it just has to happen in my life with, with depression. This is going to be for the rest of my life. Is, um, and, and I may be able to get off medication one day, hopefully, but maybe not. But I know what I need to do every day is I need to take my medicine. All right? I need to exercise. Got to do it. There's, there's no way around it, man. Okay? And I've got to be around people who are faithful and calling me to be faithful. That can never stop for the rest of my life. It doesn't matter how dark my life is. I need those people. Okay? Now, here's the deal is, is I can sit down and go, I don't have time for all that. I don't have time for all that. Like, when am I going to put that in my schedule? Anybody else got time for any of that stuff? You want to add some more stuff to your life? The crossroads is this. Um, You'll choose whatever you truly want. That's what you'll choose. If depression and anxiety and the agony of the world is um, isn't isn't overwhelming enough, and you feel like you can gut it out. You're not going to add anything to your schedule. You're not going to have a quiet time. You're not going to pray. You're not going to sit down with somebody who's going to help you be faithful. You're not going to make disciples. You don't have time for that. You only have time to do what the world's fooling you to do, and hoping it's fulfilling. I hope at the end of my life, they say this about me. You know, it's interesting. We went to Abby's grandfather's funeral. And uh, Abby's grandfather was an amazingly successful businessman. Started companies, uh, you know, was kind of a pillar of the entire community. And people came up and shared about his life, you know. And it's really fascinating is, is out of everybody that shared, no one once shared about his, him as a businessman. Not one time did somebody go, that dude, like he, and he did that dude knew how to start a business and make money and sell it off and get a business and make money, and he knew how to do that. And, man, he lived so well. You know, literally, I kid you not, 100% of the people got up there and said all I heard come out of his mouth was how much he loved Jesus. There, there was a guy got up and said he used to come in my store and buy hundreds of dollars worth of Christmas gifts for the people at the senior center because he wanted to make sure they had gifts. That's what they remembered about him, okay? It wasn't about being a businessman. It wasn't about being rich. It wasn't about having stuff. It wasn't about any of those things, right? Because he wasn't fooled by that stuff. We get fooled, man. We think, dude, our obituary is going to be what? Gosh, that would be so awesome when people say, you know, Keith was a whatever, worked in the NFL. Lots of people work in the NFL. Lots of people work in high-profile jobs. Lots of people are famous. I don't know many fulfilled people, okay? But that's the thing is, is if it comes down to it, don't let the yoke of the world stay on. That's going to be the biggest, I think that's going to be our biggest temptation. How can I make discipleship work with this other yoke? It won't. It'll just be heavier. It'll just be more stuff. It'll just be more events. And we can't just recreate Christianity to go, hold on a minute, let's make it so it's less of a burden. No, 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 let's get the world's burden off. Right? Let's, let's throw off that heaviness. And, and here's the deal is, is this is what we've got to talk to one another about. Is, okay, if I'm too burdened to um, contribute to a community, to love well, to study my Bible, to pray, to help other people. If I'm just too busy about that, here's the conversation I would start having with people around you. Is, what burden needs to be thrown off of me? 
in order to live this out, in order to put Jesus' yoke on.